Monroe, Mountain Brooks, Donald Clayton at Mountain Brook Junior High School, the principal at good old MBJH. I'm here with Dr. Dickie Barlow, our superintendent and first-time guest today, Amanda Hood, Director of Student Services. On the previous episode, we talked solely about instruction and what it what the options are with traditional school, virtual school um, in, in our reopening plan. Um, Today's focus, we are starting to look at what does it look like in a traditional school, right? Dr. Barlow, what what are we kind of give us a little direction today on, on where we're going to go? That's right, Donald. And um, it, actually, the funny thing about this, not funny, haha, but odd, is that we've already done this podcast once. That's right. Um, and then yesterday, the governor came out with her health order, which made us stop the release of our back to school plan so that we could look at the health order and make sure that we were in a line with that. Thankfully, we weren't too far off from the uh, governor's health order, but when you're looking at health orders, you just got to make sure that they're completely in line. And so that's what we did. Um, And so today we will be releasing our plan and we're going to talk about just today in this podcast about the traditional school and um, based on the the new health order, um, what schools will look like. And I guess I'll start out by saying, um, as my glasses fog up. (laughs) (laughs) I wasn't going to say anything. Um, I guess what I want to say is if we have parents and students who are interested in the traditional school and they're thinking, what's it going to look like? I I want people to understand that a couple things. One is, we are going to do everything in our power to be as safe as we can be. As safe as we can be. If we think if anybody's at jeopardy or at risk, we are going to try to mitigate that issue. Right. And then secondly, there is this whole mental health aspect of we have all these students who have not been in school since March 13th, mm-hmm. and they just want to feel like they're back at home, not their literal home, but their school home. And so we want to try to make our traditional schools feel like home, like it used to be. So when somebody comes in our school, they go, oh, God, yeah, oh, so good to be back here. Yeah. Even if I am wearing a mask, even if, um, you know, my desks are separated a little bit further than they were last year, I see my teacher, I love that woman, I love that man, I see my friends, I'm ready to go. So, so with that context, with all the craziness that's going on in the world right now, what we want to do in this podcast is just say, let's just look at the traditional school option and just kind of walk through and take a snapshot of what our school will look like. Yeah, absolutely. It does seem like we've always talked about in education, um, educate, you have to be flexible, right? And, <laughs> and stay nimble, be agile. It is, it's more true for us in education is probably more as a society than it's ever been um, as things just continue to shift and we have to look at things. So we um, ask and hope that um, families and students, teachers, staff members, you'll you'll stay with us on it um, as we kind of continue to stay agile. So let's look at what does it look like in a traditional setting. So we've kind of got three main areas we're going to go through. Um, Amanda, you know, like safety conversations aren't new to schools. This kind of angle is a little bit different. So let's look at what are our three areas we're going to tackle today. Yeah, so there's three big areas when we started talking about what does traditional school look like and what are kind of the big, broad umbrellas. And so one is going to be physical distancing. We definitely need to touch on that today. 
Um, the other is going to be facial coverings and masks. What are what are the expectations and really what's the purpose behind all of that? And then the third would be general hygiene. How are we going to yeah. just continue? You know, we work with really young kids and we work with, you know, 18-year-old young adults. And so how do we have those conversations just to help ingrain good hygiene, you yeah, know, yeah. with everybody that walks in our schools? All right. So let's let's take number one, distancing. I mean, if you're not in the 21st century, you know, in the year 2020, <laughs> physical distancing, what does that mean? And so let's talk about it in the context of school. What, what are we talking about? Yeah. So it's so it is probably one of the most important things that we can talk about that will enable us to be able to get back into our school buildings and try to, you know, just mit- mitigate any kind of safety issues. And so, you know, the most recent governor's order really talks about physical distancing being six feet apart. There's a lot of different opinions out in the world about what that looks like. There are a lot of pediatric groups that are making recommendations of three to six feet. Mm-hmm. We are leaning towards the greatest distance between people possible. So all our administrators, our teachers, our staff are taking every process that's happening in our schools, and they are evaluating that and reprogramming that so that we can continue to do the things that we do, but do it with distance between people. You know, I think that's the thing that I know that I've heard from everybody we've talked to is that we want we want our schools to be our schools and we want our kids to come in and and love where they are and feel that connection. So teachers, I was with a group of teachers this week where they were rearranging furniture to try to create maximum distance between students, but also very, very thoughtful about conversations about how we keep kids feeling connected. Right. Um, because that whole mental health you know, people have missed being around people, right. you know, mm-hmm. for the last several months. And so this is a big kind of marker, I think, for us as a community mm-hmm. to be for people to be able to connect again. We just want to do it safely. So you're going to see those types of things happening in, in everything we do. So when you're talking about distancing, we're talking about when people come into school, um, you know, we might re- ask people to not be so close to one another because mm-hmm. Those are kind of areas that entry points to the school. I guess administrators are looking at that right now. Yes. Um, how people walk down hallways. And then the big question is, how do you sit in a classroom? Yeah. So you're exactly right. I mean, so our administrators are looking at everything from where do people, you know, enter school every day and how do they exit? Another big thing I think you're going to see is how do we control traffic flow? So you've got class changes that happen. Mm-hmm. With younger kids, you know, they don't change as much. I mean, they're they're connected to their classroom. When you get into the secondary schools, those kids are changing classes all the time. Right. So how do we create a system that controls traffic flow mm-hmm. so you don't have, you know, 50 students staring at each other trying to get down one narrow hallway? So we've got teams really evaluating those things. It's going to be important that y'all know you felt it. You get on an elevator and you're getting on with somebody and they look at you like, should I get in or not? <laughs> yeah. You know, we're, mm-hmm. we all kind of have that mindset. We're all having to make those judgment calls. And I think our teams are doing a really, really good job of being very thoughtful about the details of what days will look like in our schools. Right. I 
I hear you saying, like, when you look at distancing, there's the in-classroom distancing conversation and then the outside-the-classroom distancing conversation. And we, we use things like traffic flow. And just to make sure you know, parents, that's not talking about, like, coming in and out of the schools driving um, in carpool. We're talking about traffic flow inside the school and what that looks like, common spaces, lunchrooms. So administrators are putting those plans together. I also like how you say, you know, it's, it's good for us to see each other. We've actually had rise in seventh grade families coming to the school uh, the past couple of weeks to tour just kind of in different groups and even though people are sitting there distanced and masked there's a life and energy mm-hmm. in the building when you get a chance to interface with people again mm-hmm. um, and so I, I like how you bring that up and we can do that and we have a plan in place to do that in a safe way okay so that is distancing so now let's move into our, our second prong of this um, traditional school um, approach and so let's talk about facial coverings and demanded to start you out I'm going to read actually directly from the governor's order that came out Mm -hmm. uh, yesterday. She said, each person shall wear a mask or other facial covering that covers his or her nostrils and mouth at all times when within six feet of a person from another household. Okay, in any of the following places, which is an indoor space open to the general public. So in that sense, like, what does that look like for us in schools? Yeah, well, I think that definitely means schools. And so, you know, there's this relationship. It's kind of in tandem, you know, physical distancing and facial coverings. And so in all of the literature that you see and the recommendations, distancing and masking are connected So they're not independent of each other. Mm -hmm. And so schools, we know, like there's lots of movement. And I mean, it's schools really just take a life of their own. And so people are moving around within classrooms and also amongst the larger community. Um, Masking really has been talked about as protecting not just yourself, but really the others, other people around you. That includes teachers and their families and our broader community and the families of every student that comes in our buildings. And so I think facial coverings and masking are a critical part of our conversation. You know, distancing can be a challenge in a school because of all the movement. And so I think I think masking is something that we are going to see pretty regularly in our buildings. Yeah, it, it sounds like to me when I read this order, and it's not much different from our initial plan anyway, is that... Um, Masks really kind of have to be a default because you can't rely on a student. It's too hard for a student to have a you know, yardstick, two yardsticks taped together right. trying mm-hmm. to figure out if they're six feet apart all the time. And so when students are coming into school, um, when they're walking down the hallway, when they go up to go see the teacher to ask a question or, you know, if they're... Um, really moving anywhere in the school, they need to have their mask on. And so they need to have a mask. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, um, you know, on the flip side of that, I'm going to flip over to the other side, is that it's hard wearing a mask all the time. Absolutely. You know, I mean, I'm sitting here talking to y'all and, you know, my right eye is fogged up (laughs) and I can only see out of my left (laughs) side. And that's really, it's, it's difficult and it, it bothers me. And so, Mm -hmm. um, you know, our teachers and our staff members are going to have to, during the day, just go, all right, hey, let's stop for a second. Let's go outside just for a few minutes and uh, everybody get apart. And let's take a deep breath and take our mask off. Everybody okay? We're doing all right. All right, let's go on back in. And um, I, I just think that we're going to have to be conscious of of that is going to be difficult. It's a whole new dynamic that mm-hmm. we've never done mm-hmm. before. 
but our teachers, um, our teachers love our students mm -hmm. and we care about our students. And let me just go flip side again. I think I'm doing a lot of flip sides on this. <laughs> There's a um, lot of sides. There are a whole lot of sides. Is that, um, Donald, we were talking prior to this. We've got a lot of adults in our building mm -hmm. right, that have families. Um, and so our faculty and staff, we need to be cognizant of their needs too. And so we have um, families who are, you know, their parents are living with them and and so we've got to protect our staff. We've got to protect our students and do what's best for them, both physically and emotionally. And we have to do the same thing for our staff, too, to protect them physically and emotionally. I'm glad you actually brought up the, the, our, our instructional faculty. Because, you know, when you work with, you know, obviously we work with kids of all ages. And so, you know, facial coverings are a point of conversation just in the education profession. You know, how do you teach children when they need to see your face? Yeah. And they're learning social cues and they're learning, you know, phonetical pronunciations of things. And so one of the things that we're providing, obviously, is masks to our faculty and staff, but also cl the clear facial shields. Mm -hmm. And while we know that's not the same as a mask, for the education profession, we think it's pretty critical, yeah. you know, because kids need to learn those cues and need to be able to read their teacher's lips. Um, so we're trying to give, you know, our our team of adults in the building different tools to use based on the situations that they're in in their classrooms and, and you know, with their students every yeah. day. We're yeah. trying to give life and personality and Absolutely. affect to a masked world. Right. And shields of, could, could be a way for that for our adults in the building. You're you're a shield fan. I'm a, I'm a shield guy. Uh, if I'm meeting someone new, like we've had seventh grade families coming up on a rotation over the last couple of weeks, and I actually think the shield has been a game changer on, on our families feeling comfortable um, with our school. So um, I'm a pretty big fan. And everybody has the, their own kind of mask that they like. That's I right. mean, like the three of us four. are in here and we all have on different things. Yeah. So everybody's got something that they're most comfortable in. And so, you know, we need to provide that opportunity for choice so that people are still comfortable. Mm -hmm. um, and it may change from day to day, yeah. but it is, it does seem to just be kind of part of everybody's life right now. Right. Um, not just in schools, but in the bigger world. Yeah. You can't and, go to the grocery store no. without wearing one. Yeah. You know, another thing is that when, when we talk about this, I just think we need to bring up, because there are a lot of people listening right now saying, well, this order only goes until July 31st, and school doesn't start right now until August 11th. Um, why are you talking about this? Well, our, we feel like our community has to have a plan that says, all right, what do we want to do? Do we want to go into traditional school or do we want to go into the virtual school? And so this is our plan right now based on the, the governor's orders. We don't know what the governor's going to say um, come the 31st. We don't know what the numbers are going to be, um, but we will take all that into consideration. And I guess I can say is that I don't see how it would be much different than it is right now. Um, so if people are worried, like they're just going to drop their plan after the 31st, that's, mm -hmm. that's not the case. Mm -hmm. And, you know, or, you know, people are going to wear hazmat suits after right. the 31st. That's probably not going to be true either. So it's right. pretty much right in line with where we are right now. Yeah. And so I'd wrap your head around having the mask and, and, and what that's going to look like um, for students in schools. Um, so that's mask. 
um, or facial coverings. And so let's move into our third section, which and we talked about how distancing and facial coverings go together in a lot of ways. Now let's look at hygiene yeah. and, and what kind of guidance um, we give students for that and what the expectations are for them in the classroom. Yeah, well, this conversation, I mean, you know, hopefully we've all heard this before. This has been the name of the game for years and years with lots of different viruses and flea seasons and things like that. But, you know, talking to, to, to all ages of children about good hygiene is something that we're going to be doing very, very regularly. So, you know, based on guidelines that we have, you know, washing your hands with soap and water for 20 seconds or more is the best thing you can do. Mm -hmm. um, when, you know, obviously there are times where that's not possible or water's not accessible. And so hand sanitizing with a product that has at least 60% alcohol is also really important. You are going to be seeing that in all of our classrooms. You'll see those things mounted all over our buildings. And, you know, our goal is for that to just become a normal part of our process when you enter a classroom right. or you change activities, that that is just part of the routine process of school. Um, you know, there's also, you know, we all sneeze and cough, but mm -hmm. kids really sneeze and cough. And so making sure that, you know, we talk about using your elbow and throwing tissues away. Just good cough and sneeze etiquette is important. So the CDC has, all, has you know, made lots of recommendations. Um, and so we are going to do everything we can to, to follow those recommendations. You know, we also know we live in a real world and that life doesn't always follow a checklist. Um, but I think our teachers and our school teams are doing a really great job of trying to make this just a normal part of the life of a school. Mm -hmm. And you get into little things, and I don't want to go down this rabbit hole right now, but let's just talk a little bit about water fountains oh, yeah, water bottles. Well, you know, like we probably all have this these visions of watching kids, or maybe it was us that would walk up to a water <laughs> fountain and put your mouth right mm. on it. We hope those days are long gone at this point. So, um, you know, the best thing we can do is ask families to send a water, their own personal water bottle with their child. I mean, that's going to be the safest and best thing for all of us to do right now. Now, I know as a parent, I'm going to probably forget to send a water bottle with my children mm -hmm. at some point. Um, so what we're going to do as, as schools is make sure that we have disposable cups, that if a child needs to get water from the water fountain, a disposable cup can be used and thrown away without having to lean down and get too close. Um, so our goal is to kind of minimize some of those types of pr processes that, mm -hmm. you know, we think of as school-based um, and, and think about things a different way. So there you've got it for what traditional school uh, looks like in the safety conversation as far as distancing, facial coverings, and hygiene goes. Dr. Barlow, Amanda Hood, thank you so much as always. Um, we appreciate everything you do and all the effort and the time and the energy that you put into uh, this plan and making sure that our kids, our adults, and all areas are safe. Um, parents, thank you as always, and please stay well. 